Welcome to How to Decorate from Ballard Designs, a podcast all about the trials and triumphs of decorating and redecorating your home. Each week, they'll help you unleash your inner decorator. I'm Caroline. I write the How to Decorate blog. And I'm Taryn, and I'm a product designer. And I'm Karen. I head up Ballard's branding team. We're We're your hosts. Join the expert team at Ballard Designs for tips, tricks, and tales from interior designers, stylists, and other talents in the design world. Plus, we'll answer a listener question at the end of the show. So don't forget to send them to podcast at BallardDesigns.net. Yes, we love answering them. And now, on with the show. All right, so our guests today are Britt and Damian Zunino of Studio DB in Manhattan. They're an architecture and interiors firm, and their work has been featured in Lux Magazine, Architectural Digest, The New York Times, El Decor, and many more. And we are so thrilled to have you, so welcome. Thank you for having us. Thank you very much for having us. I just loved your work. And I, you know, I sent over some questions to y'all and the word, and I don't know how you feel about this word. I hope it's a, a, a positive feeling, but I just feel like all of your work had this swankiness to it. Like it felt so cool and, you know, a lot of times very moody, but in like a really glamorous way, almost like you were at this really cool cocktail bar. <laughs> I hope that's it. I hope you feel yeah. like that, that resonates with you a little bit. <laughs> Oh, that's that's very nice of you. I mean, I think we we love creative spaces, so we love and 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 the process of getting there. So you know, working with artisans and working with interesting materials and fabricators um, to create like this wonderful environment for our clients. So um, so yeah, that's very it's very flattering. We 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 love cool shapes. We love discovering new designers. Um, yeah, so I think that that probably applies. And I think we're certainly influenced by New York. I mean, New York is just full of amazing energy and um, great, great design and creative people. So we're always trying to incorporate that when we can. How would you describe your style? Um, it's funny, people ask that of us all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, I think that we um, want to create a really beautiful space, but we want it to be very livable and approachable. Um, we do so many projects for families, um, and they they want a home that they can come down come home to that's you know like comfortable and livable, and their kids can you know hang out there, and they're not worried, and it's not fussy. But they also want to invite their friends over when we can, and you know they want their home to be very chic and you know forward and you know beautiful at the same time. So it really has to have that dual functionality of. Um, it, it has to function, but it, it's got to look good. So that's that's the goal. Yeah. Well, I thought that there was, and maybe what this, that word swankiness, it really sort of came out to me in the curvilinear shapes. There were like a lot of very shapely um, furniture accents and also in, in the color palettes, mm-hmm. um, especially in that Simon project, which I'm, I'm excited to talk to you all about because I was so interested in it. Um, the color palette was very rich and it just seemed like a space that would look really great, especially in the evenings, like all lit up with some beautiful lamplight. Yeah. I, I think, you know, as we were doing design development for the, for the building, for the Simon, um, you know, we, we thought really hard about who is going to live in this building and who, who wants to buy, you know, there's um, in this specific Brooklyn building because there's, you know, there's so much competition and, um, you know, we, we joked that it was a, it, it was, it was a people who read books, you know, people who, um, you know, like they love books and they have art books and they're well-read and they're well-traveled and 
they're interesting and they, you know, follow fashion and art and they, you know, are cultured. And so we brought in all of these like beautiful textures and rich and dynamic colors and just like beautiful wood species and just, you know, we wanted it to feel like very sophisticated, but then still modern. So, you know, those lines were cleaned up, you know, we took like sort of inspiration from traditional um, motifs, but we, we cleaned them up and we wanted everything to like really um, like, you know, a beautiful, beautiful form. And I think when we look at furniture and we look at things, it's very much about form, like every little piece is a sculpture and how does it fit into the bigger picture? So uh, it was a very fun project to work on. I would also just add, I think the curvilinear nature of a lot of the furniture offers a softness and a livability, which is really important to our work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Most rooms are very rectilinear and bringing those softer forms and shapes into the, into the room makes them you know, more human and more, more comfortable. Yeah. And I think that tension between like, you know, between those, you know, the rectilinear and the curvilinear shapes is really important. And I think that's, I think we like the tension between, you know, materials and also shapes. So, um, you know, like things to be like a little, a little um, unexpected, I suppose. Mm-hmm. So the Simon, and, and I want to kind of give people a little, and hopefully y'all can jump in too, give people a little background. It's a condominium building in Brooklyn. And so y'all did the the model apartment or the model? We did the, we did the leasing office um, and sales office for the building in addition to doing um, the interiors and the facade, archi- the, the archi- design architect of the building. So. You didn't do the model unit. Oh, the leasing unit. Okay. We did the leasing unit. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I was curious about picking, especially, you know, in terms of like picking light fixtures and picking finishes, how you go about doing that when you're picking something for so many different spaces and how, you know, cause I, and I, sort of sent y'all this question in advance, but like, you know, when, when we talk on the show and, and all the designers we talk to, design is so much about customization. So how do you go about um, choosing materials and shapes and light fixtures when you know it's going to be applied across so many different spaces? I mean, I think we've, we've done a couple of development projects and I think we always like to take the experience that we've learned from doing, from working with our private clients where we ask a lot of questions and we really dive into what people are looking for in a space. And, and then we really try to apply that specificity and that level of customization on a, on the scale of a development. And I think what, what works really well makes, makes the Simon stand out is that the, there is a level of individuality. Like it, it's not a white box. It's really the kitchens are well detailed. The, the trim is painted in a contrasting color, which is something you don't necessarily see in a development, but it's a little, it's the little details. There's crown molding. There's little details there to make it feel like a home and make it, you know, add those layers that are often missing from a development project. And I think that, um, you know, I think that was really important to us. And like the f- in every apartment has an entry foyer, like that. So you're, oh yeah, so you're, you're entering, you have a definition of entry. Um, and there's a scale that, um, there's actually a beautiful inlaid floor detail in every one of those entry foyers that's specific to the building of design. And that, that motif kind of is repeated throughout some of the detailing, um, in the building. And I think it's sort of taking that customization but using and applying it to every unit, but making it feel like a home and making it feel custom, even though there's there's a lot of these units within the building, but it's you know it, it feels unique. It doesn't feel like a development project, and so it feels like home. 
but that's the goal. No, that totally makes sense. You're 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 doing a level of customization. It's just, you know, yeah, it's it's broadly applied. And I mean, so every detail of it luxurious. is designed. It's custom. It's a custom kitchen that we designed for the project. We picked out all the specific plumbing fixtures. We designed, you know, the tile, the pattern in the tile um, in each of the master bathrooms is all custom. So it's like, like the master bathroom vanity. All the vanities were designed for the project. So everything is custom. It's just repeated throughout the you know throughout the project. Right, right. But I, but I think like um, to to specifically answer like how we come up with those, um, I think that like the inspiration for how that would translate. I mean, I think that the Simon is really special because it's a small, it's a small building, um, and um, the developers really let us develop the voice for the building. So we did a lot of research of you know just market research and like who is really going to buy there and tried to have a very specific target audience of, you know, where, where are they shopping? Like, what are they eating? Like all of those things. And we really try to create with this ideal home with the hopes that, um, with the hope that that translates. And I, I think that, you know, we, like Damien mentioned, we, we have done a lot of developments, like we've done others in Brooklyn and others in Soho and other parts of New York. And, um, often they don't, they don't remove things, which is like, we have relationships with the buildings like past, you know, move in. And we always are so pleased because people don't rip out the kitchens and they don't rip out the bathrooms, which, so it always feels, it feels good that people, it it, it somehow resonated with, (laughs) with a a core group of people who bought there. So. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, it just occurred to me, I'm not sure I mentioned in the introduction that y'all are actually a husband and wife team, (laughs) (laughs) which, um, is sort of what leads me to my next question for y'all because you have an incredible I guess country home. Um and I was I would love for y'all to tell our listeners about it because it's so unique and I love I loved the story behind it. <laughs> well we it's a story. <laughs> no, we uh we are indeed married with four kids <laughs> um, in addition to all of the work staff. Um, and we, um, we're really lucky. We have a house about two hours north of New York, um, in Dutchess County. So, um, which we, um, we bought land there. It's been a while now, probably since Harper, our, our daughter's 10, right? So 10 years ago, dad. Is that right? I don't know. Yeah. 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 So we, I mean, we owned the land for a while and we designed a lot of houses, but we only had two kids at the time. And so we sort of designed this smaller house. And we thought we'd build a guest house, then we'd build a regular. So, it, you know, it's a shoemaker's shoes situation where we, we designed so many houses and then we couldn't figure out what to do, of course, and um, didn't agree, of course, on what we wanted to do. And then Damien sort of stayed up one night or woke up early, I can't remember, and designed a house and it was like, it was it, that was it, that was, it was done. Um, and we finally built it and it's really amazing. It has this um, central courtyard, um, which we which we use all the time. And we watch movies in the summer, we hang up a sheet and we do like outdoor movies and we sleep there and we eat out there and it's so great. There's a fireplace out there right now. So um, it's really, it's a really special place and we were, we were lucky to be able to go up there um, and live there from March through September of this year and have a safe place to be. So very, very fortunate. <laughs> That's so nice. I should yeah. do that. 
Yeah, it was really, it was great. It was, a, it was good to, to be there. Um, and it's like very, very modern. It's, um, it's like all glass and it's really, it's really cool and built into the side of the side of the hill with, we have a green roof and a lot of concrete. So it's very, very contemporary, um, which is really fun too. Yeah, you should, I don't know if you have anything to add. (laughs) (laughs) Now you guys have a fun background. Can you guys, uh, tell just kind of where you started and how you got into this? Because I think it totally speaks to how, you know, you design. I mean, it all happened very organically. Um, we did, uh, we, we after I graduated from architecture school, I moved back to the city and I was working on this project developing um, old, some of the old fish market buildings down in the South Street Seaport into residential. And I was on site a lot and really loved being in the field and being active in the construction part of that and kind of seeing your design and your problem solving kind of implemented right away and loved that aspect of it. Um, and then I had the opportunity to work on this uh, retail project that was going in on the, in one of the retail spaces in that project. And I had zero retail design experience. And so I met Britt in the neighborhood. She was actually the first person to move into the into the project when it opened um, before the gas was even turned on. So we had met in the neighborhood and I, I knew that she had retail experience and so retail design experience. And so we we built this little retail store in our neighborhood and then somebody came in who lived in the neighborhood and liked it and asked us if we would do his house out in the Hamptons. And we did that and then realized we probably needed to start a company. And then it just sort of, it happened. We did some lofts in Soho and it, it all happened very kind of organically. Um, and then we got married and had kids and got <laughs> but, um, yeah. And I, I had moved to New York to, to really like my focus was in fashion and that's what I wanted to do. And then when I got to New York, I worked for a clothing company and then sort of slowly and steadily started really concentrating more on our like retail environments and really enjoying that. And then realizing I wanted to actually leave um, the, the clothing sector and, and really explore doing more interiors, which I've always really loved. And I was always, you know, redecorating my bedroom and like, you know, had like also, you know, always loving that side of it. So, um, but, but came to it through, you know, through working in fashion first. So, which I think heavily influences, I think our color choices and like all of that and fabrics and textures and things like that. Cause I think I'm pretty, pretty influenced, probably actually influenced a lot by fashion, but, um, and how it translates. I think that speaks in your wallpaper and, um, even your tile choices. They're so bold. Um, and I, and it's so good. And so I didn't know if you had any tips for, you know, people listening on how to do that, because it is such a, it's scary for somebody like me to be like, yes, that style. <laughs> yeah. I love, I mean, I love mixing it up, but it's, but it's true. It can go <laughs> wrong so easily. So you have to, you know, be careful. Um, but I think like, I think keeping in mind that you should, you know, identify probably um, a color that sort of that can, can translate throughout a home or throughout the space. So, um, you know, even if we're doing, um, you know, like a big, a big house, you know, we will pick sort of a color palette that, you know, it changes and morphs like as you're, as you're moving throughout, but, you know, you'll pick up 
um, hints of that palette throughout. So like maybe the powder room is a little crazy and bold and that's where you're, you know, doing your crazy wallpaper and, um, but then, and maybe it softens in other places, but, you know, pick, pick your moments. I always tell, you know, like it doesn't have to be everywhere. Um, but it's fun to, you know, start by bringing in a fun pillow or upholstering a chair or doing a bolder rug and, you know, you can sort of build off of that, but it's nice to have, I like to pick, you know, like one fabric or maybe there's a piece of art and it sort of sets the palette and then you can kind of build out from there. Um, yeah, I do. I do like the moments of craziness. It's kind of fun. Yes. You know, why not? You, you know, you, you can always take it, you, you know, you can always, find <laughs> a pillow. Yeah. you can always, you know, you can always, you know, it's okay to also make mistakes. I think the people need to be, you know, and, and I understand that, you know, it's expensive and um, or it can be expensive, but I think that, you know, you can make subtle, like you can make inexpensive um, experiments, you know, and see, see how you, how you feel with extra pattern or color. And um, I know we always ask clients to look in their closet and, you know, what color, do they wear a lot of color? Do they only wear gray, you know, and, and that really does tell you a lot about what they're going to be comfortable living yeah. with. I mean, they might say that they want to have a crazy house, but then they only wear <laughs> black and maybe, maybe yeah. we should not go too crazy and limit it into the you know powder room or the, there was the, the the Franklin Street loft, and I just loved this project so much. There were so many unexpected elements to it. One of them is the pipes. So you need to tell people about that because, you know, I think this is something we can all probably relate to in our own spaces. You you come into this um, existing structure, and there are elements that you probably like and elements that you probably don't like. And maybe your first instinct is to just cover up the things you don't like or fix them. But you really worked some of these things into, I mean, it seems as though you worked it into the actual like interior design of the room. Um, and I just thought that was so smart and it really gives the space character. Um, it's, you know, it's a fantastic loft space with great bones and it had these fantastic arched, arched openings between the two sides of the, of the apartment, but it also kind of bifurcated the space. Um, and so it was, it was something we had to work with, but then it had these great heating elements, um, the piping in the front, which is in the entry foyer. And then it had the sprinkler riser that went up along the brick wall. And, you know, I think like Britt was saying, we really like that tension of like, we put in, you know, the, the millwork is very sophisticated and the finishes and are really, um, you know, elegant. And then there's this raw quality of the law that's inherent to the loft and the piping. And so I think we were like that tension, that tension and that juxtaposition. And so, you know, we, we kind of make that, make that, the focus here, make that a part of the design scheme is to, is to find a balance and, you know, the, the tension between those elements. Yeah. And I think, you know, our clients specifically, you know, they, they didn't buy in a new development. They bought like an old, you know, Tribeca loft because they loved the character of the loft. And so, um, you know, they wanted it to be like very beautiful and, um, you know, really fine finishes. But I think, you know, they bought it because they loved the brick. It has original tin ceilings and it has, you know, beautiful arches. And I, you know, the, the photo of um, their pipes, both exposed in the front and then exposed in the back in their bedroom that has like, you know, super fancy mohair pillows, but then it has like this amazing old pipe right next to it. And I, I 
I don't know. I just think it feels cool and authentic and it's not fussy and we're not trying to cover it up. I mean, it is what it is. It's, you know, in a really, really special architecturally. So we, we like that. And like, you know, if we do a house in a townhouse in Brooklyn or we're doing a place on the Upper East Side where it's, um, you know, on Park Avenue or something, they should feel appropriate to their environment, you know, or country house or whatever. It just should feel authentic. So that's what we're also doing. And we're not trying to change. We don't want to change that. Right. Well, I love the way, especially, I guess it looks sort of like the foyer, um, the, the, the pipes are sort of like a gray charcoaly mm-hmm. color. I mean, yes. Down yeah. And so because the wall color sort of matches the pipes, they sort of go away. I mean, they're there obviously, but they're not, you know, front and center, but then sort of by this little breakfast nook, it's bright red and it's almost like, I mean, in a weird way, like you're like an art moment, even though it's a water pipe. (laughs) Well, yeah. The funny thing is, is that's the, that's the city mandated bright red um, color for the fire department. But we were like, (laughs) this is amazing. It it looks like, you know, a purposeful, you know, moment. So um, it's funny how many people have asked us what color the red is. And I'm like, oh. It's like FDNY red. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but you, yeah. you have to paint it red if you expose it. You can cover it up. Mm. And so it was that choice. Like you can cover it up and it disappears. But you can paint it bright red and make it a focal, you know, make it an element. So we decided make it was, in. you know, a great character of the loft and we should embrace it. Yeah. yeah. Well, I just, I also just love this, this project because it, it did, I felt like this one felt very like swanky to me. I don't know why this word was in my head, but it was like, but, but it's also a family space. They have two kids and, you know, obviously you can see the kids rooms and they're very fun and playful, but then the, like the living space, obviously the kitchen is like incredibly beautiful chef's kitchen. It's just, it's so sophisticated, but I think you can also kind of see why it would, it's not too, you know, you can see that a kid could be very comfortable here and it doesn't look too precious, I guess. Yeah. Um, that was really important to them, you know, cause they have two now teenage girls and they just, they, they had actually moved from a townhouse in Brooklyn where they felt like everybody was sort of separate on their floors and and they really wanted a space that everyone could hang out and feel comfortable and put your feet up and watch TV and they um, entertain a lot and host really big dinners and um, so yeah it's supposed to just feel like really chic but then but also just really cozy and you feel like you can actually sit down and enjoy yourself which is really important it's also in, res- in response in the townhouse and this often happens in townhouses you kind of have a formal living room and so it's that sort of that it becomes that precious room that nobody actually goes and sits in so this loft was very much in response to you know, we actually reused from their precious living room, but did it in a way that it was, you know, much more functional, approachable. And <laughs> well, another thing that I was sort of wondering about, and and this sort of um, goes to Taryn, by the way, you got to get in here because I'm just going to keep talking. So, well, you, you have, have good questions. Up. I'm not going to interrupt. <laughs> but, um, no, we got the, one of the the questions that we're going to answer later, and we get this question a lot, is about, you know, when you have super tall ceilings and what do you do when you have these super tall ceilings? Like, do you go all the way up with a gallery wall? Um, and I really liked the way that I, I just found it really interesting to sort of examine how you treated art in this space and whether you did go all the way up. And, and it almost seems like you sort of established like this 
imaginary ceiling height where nothing really went above it. And I thought that was a really interesting, maybe you could explain kind of how you think about ceilings when they're very, very tall and and what are sort of your go-to ways to to treat art in there? Sure. Um, it's funny because we actually were, were working on a, um, a big a, a ground-up house um, right now, beach house that has very, very tall ceilings. And so we you know, we've been looking at this very large volume and how, how do we approach that? So it feels like we have human scale really. So you're not just walk in and you have, you know, crazy, um, it's like overwhelming really for people. So we do sort of, we'd like to establish, um, often a line sort of around the room. And, um, I think that that can be accomplished, but both with artwork, um, you know, we're actually exploring the idea of doing a different wall finish. So, Perhaps, you know, it's a wallpaper to a certain line or wood paneling or something like that. But it'll it'll sort of lower. You'll still have the grandness of um, the tall ceiling with a really interesting light fixture. But we're sort of bringing down your the the like experience so that it's a little bit more of a uh, at a human scale. So um, so that's something that we do. We sort of will establish sort of a cap cap of that because also if the artwork, I mean, I all like rules. I are meant to be broken. So I, I'll, I say this and then I'll do something totally different. But, um, but I mean, that's something that we've talked, we're talking about in a current project that we're working on right now. <laughs> do, you, <laughs> do you, um, do you find that sometimes, I mean, I feel like in, and maybe this is sort of people in past, um, trends, they would just build these like 24, foot tall ceilings. And now I think a lot of times we'll get people very, yeah, like I said, confused as to how to treat it. Do you, do you think sometimes just ceilings like that are sort of like when, how, how do they, how and when can they work and not feel too like overwhelming? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I, I mean, I think they can be successful, certainly, if done done well. But I do think there's a trend toward cozier spaces. And I think people are um, people want cozier spaces. And I think we're seeing people asking for more, you know, like smaller rooms. Um, I think that um, wall, like ceiling treatments, like adding wood to the ceiling or adding something like that is, um, I feel like people are asking, doing that a bit more. Um, I think it certainly um, can be, you know, bringing lighting down um, is helpful to sort of make it feel a bit more cozy. Um, but it's interesting, you know, here in New York, we don't we don't have that problem as much because we have, um, you know, we in the original penthouse. What's that? Yeah. <laughs> but you know. As- more work outside of the city and looking at more projects as people are leaving the city with you know we definitely have clients that have left the city with their families and so we're looking at a lot of houses in connecticut with people and there's that you know there's a lot of there's a generation of or you know arab houses where you walk in and it's the double height foyer with the staircase and that's like immediately the first thing everybody's like i love the house but what do we do with this because the staircase looks dated the space itself the, the proportions of it aren't right um you know that's the big thing is like a double height space can work really well, but the proportions have to have to be right. And it can't feel like this volume, you know, that doesn't that doesn't tie together with the rest of the house. So we literally had a call about this last week, right? <laughs> yeah. With with a, with a group of um of 
uh, like other designers or colleagues and someone was like, has anyone solved for this yet? Can we have a plan? Because, uh, because so many people have moved out to the Hamptons and they all have these houses in the Hamptons yeah. that have the I mean, same it's exact very much like that house moment. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, it's kind of funny. The topic of conversation is what to do with yeah. these tall ceilings. I think dramatic light fractures and you know much cooler staircases. Yeah, we do a lot of yeah. An awesome chandelier. I mean, we're big lighting. I love, love, love lighting. Thank you. We love lighting and um, it's a great for, you know, do we, like I said, we do a lot of projects with families and the kids can't touch the lights, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so, so, we have, you know like, so people can invest maybe a little bit more in lighting because it's, um, it's not going to get fingerprints on it. So um, it's something to consider. I mean, I think, and I think it's really important. It's a, it's a game changer in a room if you, if the lighting is done well. So that's something that people should keep in mind for sure. It's there, worth there it. There is a project in our house, uh, the Riverside Residence, which is a, it actually had a triple height staircase there. Uh, it was a house redone by Peter Penoyer. And that was, that really lent itself or needed this thing to anchor. And so we worked with this custom. Uh, yeah, we worked with David Weeks, who's based here um, in Manhattan and who's amazing and a friend. And he, his studio built us a three tiered crazy four tiered crazy light for us um it's really almost more like a sculpture it is yeah it, it is like it, a sculpture. It, it obviously helps emphasize the hype but also brings the scale down in a way and so it kind of it occupies the space but also brings it down to a little bit more of a human scale but and talk about like things the juxtaposition of i think like modern and you know historic i mean the that space is this you know very, very um, traditional, which we then, you know, kind of gave, gave it a uniform color. But um, we love the idea of doing something really, really contemporary in that space. Mm-hmm. Well, I feel like if if Peter Pinoy is your architect, then you probably are exempt from the bubble <laughs> for your, <laughs> you know, <laughs> challenge. This does not fall so do you guys, well, with one of you being, you know, the designer more so, and one of you being the architect, do you hand off the baton very well? Or do you guys, from the beginning, kind of, I guess, hold hands? <laughs> we we work together um, on, on almost every project, unless it was, unless it's um, maybe specifically just um, furnishings. Um, Damien might be less involved, but... Um, but we really collaborate from the very beginning and our studio is, um, compri- it's really a studio environment. So we have um, furniture, people who are furniture, um, have furniture background, architects, interiors, um, industrial design. So we, cause we do a lot of our own furniture design. So um, it's very, very collaborative from the very beginning. And I think we came from places where, you know, Damien worked for more traditional architecture um, office and, you know, I think the idea was that we started a firm that really thought about both disciplines from the very beginning, and it was very, um, very collaborative. So we don't always agree, but we always work together, right? For the most part, <laughs> there's a the tension. Was the tension comes from somewhere? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, we actually don't no. Agree. You know what's funny? Um, we just had some. Who was it that was just on the show? I think it was. 
Oh gosh. I think it might've been Matthew Patrick Smythe. And he was saying that he feels like it's important for every project, any creative project for there to be tension and like struggle in the project because that's what makes it successful. Anyways, it's, it's a great thing. To, it's a great thing to think about and also remind yourself when you're struggling. <laughs> this is good. This is a good no. Thing. I love him. I'm gonna go home with him after this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like those are the projects that I think, um, even with clients too. I mean, I, I think some of the projects that you know they're a little bit tougher to get to get there. Um, they're, they're often better, you know, cause I think, you know, they, they push, um, in a way that makes you, you know, rethink things maybe, but in a good way. And, um, it just, it, it's good. I think it's actually good for the process. Um, we, we have a couple of projects. Like, I mean, I even think like Tribeca, like the loft, you know, um, our clients had really amazing taste and they're the, like very elevated taste. And so they, you know, they didn't, I don't want to say demanded because that doesn't sound nice, but they, they like push us <laughs> to make it even better. And that, and, and it shows, I think it was a great, it was great for the job. So Damien's hmm. yeah, I mean, I think for, to Britt's point that it's, you know, it's the, it's a co- very collaborative environment in our office and that it's not like architects over here and the interior designers over here. We establish a project team from the very beginning before we, you know, from our very kick, start first kickoff meeting with the clients. And so we're, we're looking at the project from all scales and designing, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll lay out fabrics and we'll do inspiration images at the same time that we're massing out the volumes of a room or a house. And so it's all, it's very, it's very much one cohesive design process and not trying to fit interiors into a shell or trying to adapt, you know, after the fact. So it's, it's really one, uh, you know, we really do it as one cohesive process within the office. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I also wanted to talk about color because, um, and and this sort of goes back to that Simon project because I felt like the colors in it, um, like they feel very menswear inspired to me in a lot of ways. Like you use a lot of crimson, which is, and maybe crimson is not the right word. Maybe you'd prefer a different word, um, like spiced, or, you know, something. <laughs> but um, it was so elegant. But then obviously lots of like blues, like camel, like gray leathers, um, charcoal. Like where does that, where does that color palette come from? And you know, how do you really think about color when you're working on your um, on the design plan? Well, I think with that project, we really wanted it to feel sort of handsome. So I think it's like, I think that, that, that you, that that's right. I think it was sort of menswear um, inspired it, you know, you have like the paneling, but it, it's not like too dark. So it's not off putting like, you know, like, you know, whatever man cave situation, but like, you know, just like elegant, beautiful library. But um, yeah, we used a lot of like rich, velvets and um really beautiful like boucles and camels and um blues and and reds and um you know we we use a lot of fabrics from our friends um zach and fox our friend zach who does like amazing beautiful sort of um menswear inspired um fabrics so we incorporated a lot of his his um fabrics um but yeah, that was that. That was really the. I mean, I think we look at every project differently. We, you know, we ask a lot of questions of do clients have, um, you know, favorite colors and whatnot. But um, 
I love experimenting with color and sort of, I do, I think we are influenced a lot by fashion and art and like weird, weird color combinations that people don't really understand usually at first, but then it sort of grows on them. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I think that the Simon specifically was the target there was to create like a very rich um, and layered environment. So that's where that came from. There were a few, um, one thing I noticed just in a lot of your projects is the cabinetry. And I felt like there were so many unique details that, um, you know, I feel like cabinetry is something where people oftentimes just go to like kind of whatever's classic. It's like, okay, we're going to go like do shaker, which I mean, shaker is a classic. Like there's a reason that it works, but there were so many tiny little, you know, like a little sort of punch out where the doorknob, you know, where the knob was or a, um, like a half, like a half circle, uh, built-in pull, um, you know, there was a rounded cabinetry corner. There were all these like very unique little cabinetry details. And I was curious, like, first off, where do you come up? Where did you even come up with some of these ideas? Cause they were so cool. Um, but then also like, how do you, how do you really design cabinetry with like that? Those are things that we all, that we design from scratch and it's really the opportunity to create something that's really custom and specific to, to each project. And so, you know, we're, um, you know, we're obviously inspired by the, the context of the project. And, you know, mm-hmm. if it's a pre-war building or something like that, we'll, we'll be, you know, leaning towards more, you know, or more inspired by traditional detailing. But we'd love to, to take, you know, those opportunities to really interpret it in a fun, interesting way. Um, mm-hmm. You know, find, find moments to be creative. We've got a great team that brings, you know, ideas to the table. And, you know, it could be there's a lot of from like Fred said from fashion from you know cool furniture detailing artwork it just you know I think we look for inspiration and you know Mm -hmm. and and just find fun ways to interpret it and make make our projects you know interesting and custom yeah well because I think with with millwork it's like that's gonna especially cabinet you know kitchen cabinetry like that's gonna last a really long time so how do you you know it, it feels risky to maybe make some of these playful choices, but they turn out so successfully. So do you have any, like, how can, what sorts of things can people, I guess, sort of implement in their own spaces that. Yeah. I, I think it's feel, important in our work, you know, that to, things feel timeless. And I think that, um, I don't know, it's a tricky, uh, you know, I think try, not going too starkly modern, which, you know, feels dated or too, I don't know, you know, too, too far in one direction, but I think that, that making things that make, you know, adding details or elements that make it feel custom or, you know, unique only, only adds to the, I don't know, the, the fun of it and the, the individuality of it. And I don't, I think that, you know, and this comes back to development projects. If you do things that make it feel like, you know, make it feel like they're for you, then it feels like home and it doesn't feel like it's part of a trend or part of the, you know, it doesn't feel dated. I think it, it makes it feel like it's, it's yours. And so that's kind of, that's the goal. Make it fun. Yeah. I think that Damien's right though. It's important not to go too far. If if you're worried about longevity, if you, if you, if you're worried about that, then it's important not to go too far in one direction. And that could be like too traditional or too, too contemporary, but, um, and it's difficult to sort of thread that needle. But I think if it's like nice classic materials and they're done in a, 
helpful way, then I think that um, it's often successful and people don't grow tired of it, um, which is, I think is nice. Do you guys have any tips or tricks for, because it seems like you do a lot of kid rooms, um, which, which is great because I think a lot of people have kids. Um, <laughs> um, what are some tips and tricks there? Because, again, speaking of that kind of longevity, too, um, you've made these beautiful spaces and I just and smaller spaces being in the city. I'm sure you've had to solve a lot of issues. Or, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think we love you know, I think it's really important to design a space that is adaptable as kids grow up because they, they do that as well. And, um, <laughs> you know, I think that, but creating, you know, if you create a fun kid's bedroom, it's also somewhere that they want to be versus, you know, bringing all their toys out into the living room. And um, <laughs> it's, it's so great, great, great strategy. Definitely yeah. make <laughs> um, but I, you know, I think, you know, working in New York City, we do have a lot of space restrictions. So we do kind of try to take advantage of height when we have that opportunity. And so doing fun bunk beds with climbing structures and space underneath is like a, is a really fun opportunity to maximize the space. Um, but, you know, we love to, it's, you know, kids love color. They love playing. Like it's, a, it's sort of an opportunity to do all the things that you, you know, may chicken out doing in, in a more grown up space, but, you know, it's still... Yeah place to be yeah actually that, that happens a lot actually i think that our clients feel a little freer and they're more open to experiment in their kids spaces because their kids room so they they bring in more color and they bring in maybe more pattern that they generally would be um mm -hmm. put in their living room so it's an opportunity mm -hmm. to, to do something a bit more playful but um i mean kids it's interesting we're going through this right now because we have now we have a sophomore um in high school who you know it's crazy, and then you I know, don't look old enough to have a sophomore in call or in yeah, sophomore in high school. It's crazy, it's crazy. Um, but he, you know, we did in his bedroom, for instance, upstate. Like it's very, it's classics. It's like fun. I mean, it has like a fun like mural on the wall, but it's translating into teenage land because it's you know green and like kind of a gray. So. I don't know. It feels like somewhat yeah. neutral and um, and he's okay with it still. I mean, the other thing with, you know, a lot of it is just paint detailing, doing fun yeah, things with paint, paint or decals or murals, things that can be removed as kids, you know, paint. Yeah. It's, there's a commitment, a cost commitment a little bit, but it's, you know, it's not, it's not impossible to, or to, too difficult to change. So paint, I mean, paint is, is it can magically transform a space for yeah. not a lot of money. And, you know, and you don't necessarily have to hire someone to do it. Like you, you can do it yourself and you do have a lot of detail on the wall, but, um, that you can paint over, you know, in a couple of years. But I also, I, I, I think people should feel, I don't know. I think kids are, kids are only little for so long. So why not go for it? Like, why not create some fun, magical bedroom for them? And, Mm -hmm. that they remember when they're an adult. You know, we, I, we have countless clients that come back to us and they talk about their childhood bedroom and how it inspired or, so or true. you know, so I think, what, you know, why not, you know, and there are creative ways of achieving it with decals and paint and, you know, you don't have to have like a crazy custom wallpaper situation. Mm -hmm. Or climbing walls, you know, <laughs> yeah. I've done that a few times. Yes. Yeah, we, so, we do a lot of those, which so, is yeah. so fun um, and worked out well for New York families that were stuck in their apartment for <laughs> that playground for 
for months on end. So, oh my gosh, they all probably thanked you on repeat this past year. (laughs) (laughs) Whenever we bring our own children to like some of those climbing wall houses, our kids are like, wait, why can't we have a different, different situation? Um, This is from Mallory, and she writes in and says, Hi, ladies. I love, love your podcast, and I've been listening for years. Tuesday is my favorite day of the week, and I've listened (laughs) to so many episodes a second and third time because they are full of such good information. So here's my dilemma. We live in a 1940s cottage-style house that we renovated a couple years ago. I would say most of the rooms have a good first layer, but now it's time to go through and make a few tweaks and updates. This is our family room, and it is right off the front entry of our house. We had the sectional custom made to fit the space, which we love, but I'm having a hard time with the rug and the other chairs. The white chair swivels and my girls refuse to sit in any other chair to watch TV, but it's taken a serious beating and it's so dingy. So I would love advice on what color and fabric you would recover it in. I've been leaning towards something in the pink family, but would love input. Also the rug. I can't believe I'm showing you pictures because it's disgusting. It's just a thick carpet that's been cut to fit the large space, but it's got to go. And I need opinions on what should go in its place. We need something big, at least a nine by 12. I've looked at vintage rugs with lots of color, but I'm worried it might be too much color. My other thoughts are something more neutral, like your antelope rug or something with a stripe. Help. Also, what do you think about that blue chair? It seems kind of heavy in the space. Thanks so much for your help. And if you have any other ideas, please send my way. <laughs> okay. Okay. So so we had a chance to look at the photos and think about this a little bit. And we think, um, I love the idea of bringing in the pink. So, you know, and I, and I think with the color palette that she has, which has the blue and the, and the sort of minty green um, on the wall, I think it works really well. Um, but my advice would be that we need to bring in something to tie those things together. So I love the idea. Well, range is like bolder to quieter options. Um, the first option, I was thinking that it would be really great if she actually incorporated maybe a fun wallpaper on the ceiling that had some of those colors to bring it all together. Um, you know, I think then you can bring in pink. Maybe it's more of a micro pattern, maybe not a solid, just because the sofa is a bit more solid and the walls, there's a lot of the green. Um, so maybe bringing in the pink and more of a micro pattern on the chairs. Um, we, we thought maybe it would be nice to, to add two chairs that were like the swivel. So then you could, it's nice when you walk in, you could see like a bat, like a pretty back of the chair, um, but then you could turn it around to watch television. Another little funny tip is you could do, we've done this before where we upholstered the back of the chair in a different fabric. Yeah. The back could have something like a little bit more playful and then the seat, yeah. something a bit more durable. Yeah. And I think that what that does also is right now all the furniture just feels like it's pushed to the outside. And so by having two swivel chairs that you could float in the middle of the space, it feels like it, it occupies the, the, you know, the volume of the room a little bit more. Um, um, yeah, I think something needs to engage that space. And I think... If you didn't want to go, you know, go the wallpaper route, like it might be interesting too to just even paint the ceiling like a little bit of a softer shade of the green on the wall so that it feels like a, like a 
more uniform envelope of color. Um, and I love the idea of a stripe on the rug. I love a good stripe. Um, I also think like a really pretty neutral, like a seagrass or something like that would be really nice. Um, it's always, you know, an always like really simple but beautiful um, go to. Um, yeah, and then you can layer even like a more colorful rug on top if you wanted to, and like maybe it's less of a commitment to like such bold color on the floor. I mean, one of my impressions is hard to tell from the photos, but I think that the rug doesn't necessarily have to stretch all the way out to that. I think it could really anchor the seating space, or or to this point, if you did two layer, if you layered two rugs. You know, you could have one that filled more of the space and then have a more, then that could be more of a neutral, like a size or yeah. And then doing a more patterned, you know, right, rug so that anchored the seating area. So it felt cozier and more anchored. And then, but you still had something that defined the whole volume of the, you know, of the space itself. Because I think trying to stretch that out when it is circulation, it kind of, you end up with this just rug that just isn't, doesn't have any furniture on it. So I think that that sort of, you know, I think, that, that because of the, the way the room works, it might be nice to kind of try to anchor the seating area with, you know, or define that more as the cozier space. Yeah. Um, I just, I uh, also just like to touch on the blue chair. I do, I do think the shape is really interesting, but I think that because she has so many lighter colors in the room, it would be really nice if maybe that was reupholstered um, into a lighter fabric because I think the shape is interesting. And I think it's nice to kind of have one chair that's a little different it would be nice if it like had a little friend, like a little foot, like a footstool or like a little side table. But maybe if it's sort of moved out into the room a little bit and maybe it's um, a lighter color because my eye definitely goes straight to that chair because it's so dark. But it, I think it's less about the shape because I think that the wing back, like, it's, it's interesting. I think it just needs to be lighter mm-hmm. in color. So earlier you were talking about maybe a second swivel chair or did I, did I, was I not following? Like, yeah, yeah, I was, yeah, we were thinking, in well, or you, I think there's room, I don't know, I don't think, I think there's room to do two chairs that are sort of facing the blue sofa and maybe you have the blue chair off to the side somewhere. Okay. Because that's what I was wondering, like, does she get an, does she get a, like, two new swivel chairs or because like, is it going to match, you know? Right. Or you could do, or is that not necessary? You could just do the white one. Um, you know, the, the, the one that's upholstered in the white fabric now, like off to one side and you could do, maybe you flip them. Okay. Got it. It's like behind the, the white chair. But so it sounds like just sort of pull both of those two separate chairs, like more in towards the middle and then, it yeah, be, um, I think they need to be a little bit closer versus just on the perimeter of the, Got it. of the wall. But I think there's a real opportunity with the dark blue chair of doing something really interesting. And, um, you know, as far as fabrics for her, you know, durable, I mean, we do a ton of performance fa- fabrics, which I know you guys sell and um, as well, which is, I mean, I think performance fabrics are amazing and they're great mm. um, for families um, because kids are really, and, and adults are very messy. <laughs> Humans are messy. Humans are messy. Yeah. And yeah. pets, I guess. 
I, I was going to say, I do think she needs a pattern drug myself too. Like she, she yeah. has, she's made this room so calm and serene with like the solids that I feel like now it's time to like beef it up with some different scales yeah. of pattern for sure. Yeah. And I love your idea of treating the ceiling because I feel like the, she's done such a beautiful job with the green wall and the, you know, all of the millwork is painted the same green and it's like really enveloping, but then it's sort of this like hard endpoint on the ceiling. It's like so contrasty. So I feel like some sort of some, you know, some pattern or texture or something on the ceiling will help like make it feel like seamless. It, yeah, and I think that that's, that's a trick that we use a lot where we paint the ceiling the same color as the walls. And I think it actually, in smaller spaces or se- spaces with low ceilings, mm-hmm. it actually makes everything sort of recede and feel like a little bit um, larger. So I, I do feel with, with that hard line of the, of the green with the white ceiling, it almost makes the ceiling feel really low, which, um, which I don't think they're very low, but I think that it has that appearance maybe. So it would be nice to sort of, continue the the color palette on the ceiling in some way mm-hmm. and it looks like because you know she you enter into the other room so you don't have any issues with you know having it lead into the other room so I also just have to say this is like you've she's done a really good job I love the sofa table behind the like she's wow. got lamps she's got sconces totally and I love I love the idea of like the antelope you know bringing in like I think she's onto something like I think that she recognizes that it needs like a little bit of yeah that extra layer and um, mm-hmm. something to tie it all together so I love that the sofa, the custom sofa, is really fantastic. Yeah, it's so pretty. Yeah, even the that rolled arm and everything. Yeah, yeah. and the bench seat. Yeah, it's a very pretty a sofa. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think with like very few like little tweaks, um, it'll really come together and feel really cohesive and uh, mm-hmm. feel. Mm-hmm. Plus, she was bold to put a white chair and a white carpet with children watching TV all the time. In there. <laughs> Yeah. Cheeto right? Maybe they don't have maybe they don't have Cheetos in their house. Oh. Web of lies, I know. I'm sure they do. They have. Yeah. yeah, it's a great space. So yeah. I'm excited. Good luck and send us after photos. Yeah, it is. Excited to see what she does next. So. All right. Well, Britt and Damien, thank you so much. Can you tell everyone where they can find you, follow you, see your work, all of that? Sure. Um, so you can follow us on Instagram at studio DB, um, with studio underscore DB. Um, and our website is studio DB.com, um, where we, um, post lots of new projects and um, interesting stuff in the field. So it's always fun to follow along to see, see what we're up to. <laughs> Yes, I highly, I mean, I think you'll, I just love Joel's website too. Mm-hmm. And I, everyone has to go check out your portfolio because. I think so much. It's chock full of wonderful Life. ideas and inspiration. Yeah. And that's our show. You can find all of the show notes on our blog, howtodecorate.com slash podcast. To send in a decorating dilemma, email your questions to podcast.ballarddesigns.net so we can help you with your space. And of course, follow us on social media at Ballard Designs. And don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. And please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Until next time. Happy Happy decorating. decorating.